Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts. It is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, uh, Palm Sunday, we welcome you all, especially those who will be seeing this video. And so this morning, we again welcome to have Pastor Renzo Ventris join us again in filling in for Pastor Jim. So, Pastor? So, a red light is a good sign. <laughs> Not if you're driving the car. My wife and I had the tremendous privilege of sharing the gospel um, at Focus Springfield Access Community Television Studios for four years. And we had the unbelievable privilege of sharing the gospel in almost every city and town around Springfield. We reached a potential audience of 330,000 people. And, you know, really, what else are we alive for, right? You know, you could, you could um, have a business and that could be taken away. You could have a profession that could be taken away. You could have a family that could be taken away. But your salvation can never be taken away. And so today, uh, I just want to send greetings to you from Redemption Gate Mission Society in Springfield, Massachusetts, where I'm the pastor and evangelist. And um, if you have your Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 19. And the title of today's message is Jesus' Triumphal Entry. Part one. Part three is when he comes back uh, to reign forever, a thousand years as king, and then after that. But the most important triumphal entry is part two. Part two is when Jesus Christ enters your life and heart and rides in triumphantly to save our souls from the wrath of God and to forgive us of our sins. Amen? So First Baptist Church of Coleraine, I'm glad you made the best decision of your life to hear the word of God today. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you that you are the author of the word. And we pray for this precious congregation and the people of this precious area who live in this area. Lord, you love them and you are using all of us as those disciples who said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As they were not ashamed of Jesus and they introduced people to Jesus, we're, that's what we're going to do, Lord. Every day, as long as you give us breath, we're going to introduce people to Jesus. Like Andrew introduced his brother Peter to Jesus. We pray, Holy Spirit, for your anointing upon this message. Accomplish great and mighty things uh, in our lives through your word, for your glory and our good. And God's people said, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and as he approached Bethphage and Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. 
untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord has need of it. Don't forget that because that is the thrust of the whole message. The Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, When you see something twice in the scripture, we need to pay attention. They replied, The Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As they went along, people spread the cloaks on the road. And he came near to the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives. The whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I wonder, do we weep over the city and towns we live in? And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Let's bow our heads. Precious Father, we thank you so much. How can we wrap our, our mind around this incredible, spectacular event? We pray, Holy Spirit, that you right now would begin to unwrap the intention and the purpose of this passage before us. And as you do, and you are, as you are our teacher, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, open up and unwrap our hearts to receive the word of God. And I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would take the word and the word of God would have free course in this place. I pray, Lord, that it would find a home in our hearts and that it would ignite our hearts to worship you and to honor you and to serve you and to bring people to you with every day that you give us and with all the strength that the Spirit um, uh, can give us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. This whole event is a fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. You may write that down in your Bible, or if you have a study Bible, as we were reading this together, you will see the reference in Zechariah 9.9. Where in Zechariah 9.9 and also in Psalm 118, verse 26, the psalmist writes, Hosanna, and, and the Hebrew word means, save us, Lord, right now, or save now, O Lord. Like when you and I repented of our sins, 
if you have repented of your sins, if you can go back to that moment when the Spirit of God began to stir your heart and reveal to you and I how sinful we are and, uh, and how we were born dead on arrival and we spent our lives in sin and then God sent someone into our lives to, to share the gospel with us and then the Spirit of God turned the switch on, we saw our sins and we thank God saw that God the Father sent a Savior to pay for our sins. Can I get an amen? Yes. And then what do we say? Well, we said in, in the English language, we said something like, Hosanna, Lord Jesus, save now. Come now. And so <coughs> that is the theme of this message. Jesus Christ's triumphal entry. <clears throat> so I want to go, have us go back into time. I want to explain this scene and the historical background, the who, what, when, where, and how. I don't know if you like to watch mystery movies. My father-in-law was, a, he knew every, he knew what was going to happen at the end before it began. My wife is that way. My daughter's that way. I don't know if you like to watch uh, Murder, She Wrote, but my wife has seen every single one of these things like five or six times. And because I love my wife, I just sit there and watch it. <laughs> and I already... I looked to her and she says, but honey, I've seen this six times and I know it's going to happen. See, God the Father saw what was going to happen in time and space. He saw that he would send his son, as the Bible teaches us, the aged apostle John writing the first epistle in 1 John chapter, uh, I believe it is 3 verse 8, for this cause... For this reason was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan in my life and in your life if you only let him. And so Jesus is coming in triumphant. He has spent three and maybe a half years saving people's souls, healing people, changing people's lives, and so the historical event is it is Christ and his disciples. The what? It's Palm Sunday, the celebration of, of Messiah's ministry. The when? It's uh, spring A.D. 30, the final week of his ministry in Jerusalem. The where? Jesus has gone from Bethany on the next day to Bethphage, and today he's in Jerusalem. And how? What is going on? There are over... 300,000 pilgrims from the Jewish diaspora, from all over Africa, from all over Europe, and from all over Asia. People who are reading the Bible, not in their language, but in the Greek language called the Septuagint. The Bible, which was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And so you have Negroes, you have Caucasians, and you have Asians coming to this city of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. And the city of the great king is now seeing the great king that they have waited for their entire life. And the children are crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who is now come in the name of Yahweh, the Father. And so Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. Now one of my 
favorite Bible commentators is Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Anybody remember that tremendous radio program, how that has had a uh, great impact on our lives? I want to read to you his comment on this passage of Scripture. And to quote him on page 334 through 336, Jesus has now entered Jerusalem not once, not twice, but thrice. Once a day, those three days he came. The first day on, on Saturday, or what we say in Italian, sabato, which is Sabbath, Jesus enters in as priest in Mark chapter 11, verse 11, and he inspects the temple and he finds no money changers, so he leaves. The second day he comes on Sunday, the Lord's Day, he enters in as king and he finds the money changers there and he cleanses the temple. Dr. J. Vernon McGee says that happened in Matthew 21, verses 12 to 13. Now this is the third day. Jesus comes on Monday and he comes as prophet and he enters the temple and he teaches and he heals according to um, um, Luke chapter 1941 through 44. So now let's play a game. Let's go back in our minds to this event. Make believe you're putting on your sandals, your robe, your talik, whatever it is, and here we are. And the one we've been waiting for is coming in on a donkey. Now the disciples and witnesses are still so pumped and so excited. Why? Because just recently, Lazarus has been risen from the dead. Listen, if you ever went to a cemetery, I, you know, I, I go to a cemetery. You've been to a cemetery where your loved ones are. You know what's amazing? Nobody gets up and walks out of a cemetery. At least I've never seen that happen in my life. And you remember the scene, Jesus it has Mary and Martha come up and, and they're, they're so broken because they've seen Jesus do everything. And they called for Jesus three or four days because they said, our brother Lazarus is dying. You need to get here, Jesus. You know, Jesus, this is the one who loves you like nobody's business. <coughs> Excuse me. They all love Jesus, but have you ever met somebody that just is crazy? Just, absolutely insane for Jesus in your church or in your family. You know, Jesus loves everybody the same, but not everybody in the church loves Jesus the same. Can I get an amen? amen. And Lazarus was crazy for Jesus. Now why is Lazarus apoplectic for Jesus? Because Lazarus' father was the leper that Jesus saved and healed. Let me tell you something. If you've ever prayed for Jesus to heal somebody in your family, and it was a hopeless case, and Jesus healed your family, you will never be the same again. And so this is Lazarus. Remember, <clears throat> the Jews... There were so many people at the tomb of Lazarus. And when Jesus said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Man, my God, when Lazarus came out that tomb, all heaven came down and glory filled their souls. 
Can you imagine if you were there? Listen, in April 3rd or 4th, Jesus said to me, Renzo, Renzo, come forth. He called me from the dead. You may be here today, and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. Let me just tell you, Jesus loves you. Even if you can't understand why, even if you're not yet convinced, he's, he's got your name on his heart. And he's saying to you today, whatever your name is, let's just call you Susie. Susie, Susie, come forth. Why? Because God loves you before you were ever born. Before you were, as my father used to say, a twinkle in my father's eye. God loved you. Let those words just burrow themselves into your heart. And so the disciples have just seen this unbelievable event. I'm sure Lazarus is there. I mean, he's spectacle number one. He's evidence number one in the court of law. Can you imagine this, this thing happening? And people are absolutely going out of their minds. Everyone is telling the story. Who's there in the train? Maybe the blind men, the deaf men, uh, the guy who was at the pool of Siloam. Everyone who's been there coming and saying, he changed my life. He's, that's why they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the king of, who's, who we've been waiting for. That, that is the whole historical background. Are you with me, church? Okay, This is not like a, a normal day in, in Jerusalem. But there's another group of, of people there. The Pharisees. They were jealous due to their reduced influence. They feared what they said in John 11, 48. The Romans shall come and take away our place and our nation. You know, in the, in the church of Jesus, there's, there are always people who are trying to get to heaven on their own merit. But God always wants to reach you. Today, if you're here and you're, you think you're getting to heaven because of what you can do, you cannot get to heaven on your good works. Any more than George Whitfield said, you could get to heaven on a rope of sand. You and I are born spiritually bankrupt, dead, uh, deceased, dirty, filthy sinners. And especially me, because I know where I came from. But it's these kind of people that Jesus came to die for. The Bible says Jesus didn't die for friends. He came to die for the ungodly. And Jesus is coming because he's got the eternal destiny of billions of people on his mind. That means when he came into Jerusalem, watch this, he had your name on his mind. Heaven or high water, nothing can stop the mighty Messiah from accomplishing his mission to die for his enemies. You know how Jesus makes us his friends? I think it was Abraham Lincoln said this when the South was defeated. The way you make your enemies your friends is you forgive them. How in the world could the President of the United States forgive the Southern 
slave owners of owning blacks. Except that he remembered the promise of his Baptist mother and the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. And so Jesus is coming and nothing is going to stop the Messiah from, from getting the praise that he's so worthy of. And so Jesus walks into this scene and it's amazing. And if you were to write one thing on your bulletin, uh, a theme of the message, it's just one word, submission. Submission. In Italian, we would say sottomettere. That means to put sub is the Latin for underneath, like a submarine. Mission. To put something underneath. Jesus was under submission to the Father. And so I like what um, was once said by Reverend Roger Campbell, quote, our attention today goes from the celebrating multitude to the submitting minority. Note that their accomplishments are still important for us today. So point one, write this down in your Bible or in your notes. Jesus submitted to the Father's will to save sinners, and that is found in verse 28. After Jesus said this, he went ahead going up to Jerusalem. He came to Jerusalem to give his life as a ransom for many. The, the, uh, the writer of Mark, I believe, chapter 10, verse 26. Jesus comes in submission to his Father's will. Watch this. If you were Jesus, would you come to be killed for your enemies? Jesus said yes, because in the eternal counsels of God, God the Father drew up a plan of redemption, and in that council, he asked the Son, will you pay the price for their sins? And he said, yes, I will go. Remember last, last week's message of, from Isaiah 6, who will go for us? I'm wondering if the Father said, who will go for us? I'm not going. I'm holy. I cannot be in the presence of sin and wickedness and debauchery and, and, and war and hatred. But Jesus said, I will go. And so Jesus submitted to the plan of the Father and the Holy Spirit was with him and the Holy Spirit brought people to him and brought us to him. So Jesus said, I will submit. So he ascends to Jerusalem. Obedience was fulfilled. Jesus' obedience fulfilled so many prophecies about him. I'm not going to give you a million of them. Just three. Write these down. Zechariah 9.9. Jesus, the Messiah, rides in on a donkey to Jerusalem. Second, he fulfills Daniel 9.25. Messiah, the prince, arrives exactly on that day that was prophesied from Daniel to the day Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. The third prophecy, Isaiah 53, the, the Messiah is not just a one who's a king, not, uh, uh, not just one who's a prince. He's going to be the suffering servant. Notice the word servant is one who's under the authority of a master. 
Jesus said he came to do the will of his Father. Jesus never did anything but the will of his Father. Some of us in the local churches around the world, pastors and deacons, get gray hair because you know why? People want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it, and they don't submit to authority. Why do we not submit to authority? The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, we are all the children of disobedience. You don't have to teach children how to disobey. Sometimes you don't even have to teach yourself how to disobey as a brother and sister, right? I think it was someone who said, I looked for my worst enemy and I saw him in the mirror. I think it was D.L. Moody. You know, we're our own worst enemy. We just don't want to shut up and do, do what we're told. Right, Deacon? When you're in the military, you just do what you're told. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, no ma'am. And, and, you know, in the body of Christ, Jesus is our example. He submits to the Father. He does. He knows the Father's mind, and he does the Father's will. And he does it in the Father's way. It would be good for us to be like Jesus. We know what the word of God says. Let's not wait for someone to rebuke us. Let's just obey the spirit and do what we're told. Can I get an amen? And so the apostle Paul comments on Jesus' humility that was required of him in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 7. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 7 very, very, very quickly. So how good it is for us to imitate the Lord's humility. Isn't it amazing? Jesus is God and he was never proud. He had every reason to be proud, but Jesus walked in humility. So why in God's name should I ever be proud? The Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 5, your attitude... Now, he's speaking to the church. Now, this is the word of God to us. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself, what does the Bible say? Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant. Oh, that's the word we don't want to hear. Being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, Here's another word the old sin nature doesn't want to hear. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now listen, here's the reward God gave the son. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Humility plus obedience equals submission. Humility plus obedience equals submission. It's not enough for me or you and I to know the word of God. But Jesus said, blessed are they who hear the word and do it. Just like the Nike commercial, just do it. I don't know how many men and women served in the military. Raise your hand, please. Thank you. Thank God for you. Do you remember? Were they nice and cuddly? Were they like your pastor, Jim, and gave you loving admonitions? 
or did they share with you every filthy four-letter word, things you heard and never even could imagine, and told you to, they told you what to think, when to think, and how to think. Now, you know, God's not that way, thank goodness. But he tells us in his word how we should live. And you know what? It's for our good that we obey our Savior. And just do, just do it. Just, just do what's expected of us as a servant of the Father. Amen? Amen. So the, 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 the theme is submission. The first point is Jesus submits to the Father's will to save sinners. And I'm so thankful he saved our soul. And you know what? He could have never, ever saved us unless he willingly chose to obey God the Father, and not most things, in everything, watch this, so that he could give us the great exchange. He would take our filth and sin upon himself on the cross. He would act as a substitute and be willingly executed for us so that after the Father and the Spirit of God resurrected Jesus from the dead, all of his perfect holiness could be imputed and imparted to you. Imputed is a Greek term, which is an accounting uh, term. It means it's been put to your account. You and I, born dead, born blind, born bankrupt, but God loves you so much that he died to give you his righteousness, but you don't get it unless you ask for it. And so Jesus said, I love, for the joy that was, for goodness sake, what joy did Jesus have on the cross when his enemies were crucifying him? So that could have been any joy on the, on the cross of Calvary. You know what the joy was? Not seeing you and I go to hell. That is the joy. The joy is seeing our sins forgiven. Though our sins are as scarlet, Isaiah 55 says, he would wash them white as wool. But a payment had to be offered, and every ounce of Jesus' innocent blood had to be shed for your guilty soul. So Jesus is our example. So point one, Jesus submits and obeys for our benefit. Point two is now found. Uh, in verses 29 through 35. The disciples submit to their Savior's will. Uncomfortable with instructions about a donkey and a colt, well, they go ahead and obey God. Let me ask you a question. When you read the word of God, and God begins to convict you and I of sin, and there's nobody there in our house but him and I, and, and Christ and us, and the Spirit's saying, I want that thing that's been in your life to go. I want it to shrivel up and die and go to hell in Jesus' name. But it won't unless you repent. <clears throat> Jesus is asking us to do things that are impossible in our humanity. But it's not impossible because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Amen? When, when Jesus tells us to do something uncomfortable, like forgive people who have made your life miserable. Do you do what Jesus says? 
Or do you act like a jackass and kick back? I just had to ask that question, not a swear word. Because too many in, 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 in the church of Jesus act like donkeys instead of like colts where Jesus can ride in and submit. How many people have you ever met in your life where you, you, you asked yourself the question and, and, and you looked and you, you had a two-way conversation with yourself and said, where in the God's name do these people ever come from? Obstinate people in the body of Christ. You know, that will always be us until we bring ourselves to the cross and drive the nails through our old sin nature and, and kill the beast and say, you know what? Not my will, but thine be done. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Repentance usually gets rid of all the problems in, in marriages, in, with children, with relationships, with everything, because it's the, it's, it's the soap that washes everything clean. And so the disciples just do what Jesus say. And uh, so they go, I'm sure they're having a conversation about, okay, is this like the craziest thing Jesus has ever told us to do? <laughs> <We're>, <coughs> excuse me. We're going to go to this place and we're going to steal somebody's colt. And you know what? You know what the Bible says about stealing in, 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 in the Old Testament? You know what I'm saying? You know? Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for a hand. Hope they don't bring us to the county jail. But, but they go because Jesus said in, the, in, the, in Matthew 28, Go ye! And so they go. He's telling us today the same thing. Now the colt is tied. What does this represent? You know what it can represent? Us in the bondage of our sins. <clears throat> Where never a man sat represents the stubborn, unbroken will of our sin nature. How many of you ever like to watch rodeo? Do you ever ask yourself the question, what in the world is wrong with that man or that woman getting on a bull? Are they stinking crazy? Are they out of their mind? Don't they know that they could be killed? Well, you know what? You ask yourself the question, who is crazier, the, the person getting on the bull or the bull trying to get rid of the person? <laughs> Stubbornness is, is quite a, a thing. But you know, when you break the bull, if you own a horse, if you break the will of the horse, the horse will obey you forever. You and I are born with an inbred stubbornness that comes from the fall of Adam. We want to do what we want, how we want. And we say, as we have read, I will not have this man to rule and reign over me. Nobody tells me what to do. You know what I'm talking about because that's the way some of us grew up in our lives. You're not going to tell. You're, hey, watch this. This is, this is from the old Italian neighborhood. You're not the boss of me. You don't tell me. Hey, you're not the boss of me. Isn't that an a, a, a accurate description of how humanity treats God? You're not the boss of me. It's like, it's like but Jesus says, you go on that animal. You bring that animal to me where nobody sat and I who created this animal 
have dominion over this animal. I'm not going to hurt this animal. I'm going to love this animal. Who is that animal? Represent you and me. Jesus has need of you. The Bible says in the King James Version, I believe, the Lord has need of it. Did you know that the Lord has need of you? The Lord has need of you? Now, when you think about God, he has need of nobody. Before he created the whole world for trillions and quadrillions of years, of course, there was no time, so this is something we, we, we use to try to fit. God was happy in himself. <clears throat> Did you ever meet someone that before you met them, you wish you never met them? That's the way God should feel about us. I was just fine before I created you, before I dated you, married you, hired you. <clears throat> Can you imagine if God was like us? You know what he'd say? You're nothing to me. <laughs> but it's to us that he sent his son. And that's what Palm Sunday is about. Jesus is, is in submission. Jesus has a, a, a mission for you that he doesn't have for you or me in where you live, on your street, in your neighborhood. He needs people to come to Jesus, but he's asking you and I like he asked, go get me that donkey, get, bring me that colt. I have need of that colt. And when that colt comes to me willingly, I'm going to make that cult famous. Do you know what? 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about a cult that didn't act like a jackass. Let me ask you something. What kind of person are you? There were 12 spies that it went into the land to spy out a place for God's people to live. 12 of them saw giants Ten of them gave a bad report, but Joshua and Caleb said, with God's strength, we can make mincemeat out of these giants. God has a mission for you, and he's asking you today, I have need of you. I want you to tell your brothers and sisters and your family, I want you to reach people on your street. Lord, are you out of your mind? Don't you know who I am? I've never done anything like that in my whole Christian life. Yes, I understand that, because you've been tied up. But Jesus wants to loose you. He wants to set you free to accomplish redemptive purposes in your town, because Jesus went to Jerusalem and wept over it. Do you weep over your street, your neighborhood? your region. The Lord has need of you. Will you submit to the Lord? Jesus said, free him, loose him. When Jesus loosens you, you know what happens? You become what Christ wanted you to always be as a Christian. Well, brother, doesn't the Lord love me just the way I am? You know, all carnal and everything. Well, he loves you. Yes, but Jesus didn't die in the cross. You know, Jesus came after us and loved us in our sin, but I think it was Leonard Ravenhill, the famous evangelist, said, 
For God's sake, once Jesus dies on the cross and saves your wretched soul, he doesn't leave you in your sin. He sends the Holy Spirit to accomplish unspeakable, incredible acts of Christian valor through your life that he can't do in anybody else's life in your church. God has got a mission, brothers and sisters, for you because you are the bridge that Jesus will cross. You and I are the working mules that Jesus has to sit on so that he can introduce himself to people in our community. And Jesus wants to set you free from fear because the Lord has need of you. And then lastly, as we come to the close of our message, well, what does the Lord have need of me today? He has need of Renzo to shut his mouth, humble himself, and, 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 and obey and submit so that God can be glorified and blessed by me just doing what I was born again for. Listen to me. Before I was ever an evangelist, before I was ever a pastor, a, 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 a assistant pastor, I was, a, I was a disciple of Jesus, just rescued from the flames of hell. I didn't know nothing about the Bible from where I came from. But you know what I knew? I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to take my sins away. The, the writer of a famous worship song says, that's all, that's all I needed. My God, I'm not in hell. I'll do whatever Jesus has got planned for me. Heaven or high water is, I don't know, I'm going to stumble through it. I might look like a, like a, like a donkey. You know, it, it, it won't look good. It could be messed up. Did you know I used to stutter really bad before Jesus saved me? He took that away. You might see things in your life, man, I'd like to serve God in this capacity, but I don't... He'll take it away. He's just waiting for you to, can I sit on you? Can we go for a ride? On a little donkey to Jerusalem. He just wants you and him to go to a place where he's going to give his life for others. Lastly, the donkey submits to the divine king and creator's will. Point three. Jesus submits to the father. The disciples submit to the Lord. The donkey is smart enough to submit to the divine king and his creator's will in verses 35 through 40 that you can, you can read. The unbroken, stubborn donkey's will comes under Jesus' submission in order to fulfill Christ's mission. Now, why in the world would a donkey submit? Why should he submit? Why? Everything else that Jesus talked to submitted, storms, sea, fish, winds, Demons and disease submit when Christ speaks to it. When the disciples were uh, in the Sea of Galilee and they were ready to drown, they woken up, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? It reminds me of that, uh, Betsy, what was the movie? Yes, what is it? Uh, how many of you ever seen um, part three of Harrison Ford. Thank you. They're in, remember him and his girlfriend, 
His girlfriend's on the other side, and there's snakes all around her hair. She's screaming. She's beautiful and dainty like my wife. Harrison Ford has a nail going through his hat, and he says, we are about to die. Pull the lever. And she, ah! And, and his life is saved. You know, you and I have been given a mission to pull the lever, to open up the gates, that the king of glory may come in. Wherever you live in Shelburne or Coleraine, or if you're watching this on television, wherever you live, there are Christians, and God wants us to pull open the doors that the king of glory may come in and save our souls. He obeyed the Father, the disciples obeyed, the donkeys obeyed. Then, our submitted carnal wills will prevent you and I from becoming everything Christ died to make. Now think about that. Jesus has a will for your life. It's not just to pay your bills. Even unbelievers do that. It's not just to take care of retirement. They do that. But you and I as Christians have a mission. And it's a mission nobody else in the world has. Our mission, if we are willing to accept. You know what that is. That's mission impossible. Remember we grew up watching that? There is a mission that we have been given. But if it'll never happen unless you are willing to accept the mission. The way Jesus was and did, the way the apostles and the grateful disciples were and did, the way a donkey was and did. What is the mission? Well, in conclusion, this is the mission. The mission is you have people now, first of all, I want to commend this great church because I know it sounds like I'm taking people to the woodshed. That's not my heart. Pastor Jim Rennie commended all of you so much in that so many of you have already reached almost every home in Coleraine. That's unbelievable. I don't think I've ever preached in a church where they brought the Gospels through video and and, 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 and print through Saturation USA. First of all, I commend this great evangelistic church. So I just want to lay that foundation. But you know what? We can still do more, can't we? As long as God gives you breath, isn't there somebody? Isn't there a little boy, a little girl? Isn't there an old lady? Isn't there an old man that has never heard about how much Jesus wants to triumphantly run and enter into their life and rip the doors off the hinges and save their soul? As we close right now, will you and I be the donkey, the colt, that nobody sats on? Will you be unloosed? Will you be unchained? I sing to my wife that song, Unchained Melody. <whistles> and then we dance. And my kids and grandkids, ah, no, no, loves, no. Will you be unchained for Jesus? Will you stop at nothing to reach people for Jesus? Will you say, here I am, Lord. I'll be your pack mule. Father, we thank you so much that you've got a mission for us.
Lord God, that mission is to love people like, like maybe they've never been loved. Please help us to, to be willing to submit, to tell somebody this Holy Week about Jesus and to invite them to First Baptist Church of Coleraine where they can be loved by a group of people who, who love this community. Lord, thanks for coming after us and saving our souls. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.